All right, welcome back, people. First one we're going to cover, we sort of try to cover it every couple of episodes. Lots of people want to figure out ways to just budget better or cut back on uh, expenses. So we thought we'd share a couple of tips or tricks that we use ourselves for this sort of thing. Obviously, having a pretty well thought out, like written down budget is a pretty good way to start and a pretty good way to sort of give you a bit of direction of where you want to go with your finances and where you want your savings to be. But the one we talk to our clients about and I talk to my friends about as well is that red pen, green pen thing. So obviously, yeah. if Dad, do you, Dave, you reckon you could just sort of break that down to the people? Yeah. When you apply for a loan, be it through a bank direct or with a broker, and about 70% of people use brokers now, banks want to see where you spend your money. So they through open banking, they have access to your bank accounts. They can see where you spend your money. Yeah, they can do a bit of a rough check, you know, if you if if you buy yourself and you earn a hundred grand a year and you say you don't spend much money, but you don't have much savings or you don't have you know many assets or shares or that sort of stuff. Well, it's pretty obvious that you're spending everything you earn. So a bit like getting fit for a marathon if you're gonna run a marathon or you know, trying to lose weight over a period of time. Um, when you're applying for a loan, the best thing to do is to um, get ready for that. And one of the best things you can do is to um, look at where you spend your money. So what we recommend is get the last three to six months of your bank statements, um, credit card statements, after pay, zip pay, all those things that you spend money on. And just go through that with one of those four colour pens. Um, green gets a tick. They're, they're things that you have to spend money on, like food, fuel, um, you know, utilities, um, you know, insurance, those sorts of things. Whereas red is for things that you could probably do without. And it's just trying to identify if there's things that you can do without, um, without sort of impacting your lifestyle too much. Um, so things like Uber Eats, um, you know, holidays, um, yeah, going out, you know, relentlessly, those sorts of things, you know. You've really you've to improve your borrowing capacity and you know, have a better financial future. Um, you've got to try and you know, reduce the amount of money spent on crap, basically. So that's just the thing we use um, with the things that you ticked green. There's still things you can do amongst those items to reduce the burden. So you can, you know, you'll, you'll probably find if you fill up your car on payday, fuel prices are normally more expensive than they are on, say, Monday or Tuesday. So fill your car, car up on a Monday, Tuesday. If you've got a if you've got a lot of money on credit card um, and you're not paying it down and you're paying uh, 15 to 20% interest, maybe try and, you know, and this is not financial advice, this is just something to think about. Look at maybe one of those, um, those cards that you can get to transfer debt interest-free for six to 12 to 18 months and then cut up the card and don't use it. Yeah, we can all save money on utilities by shopping around, on food, buying lunches, all that sort of stuff. So there's yeah, there's plenty of things that are within your control. Some of the things, you know, not are not within your control. You know, banks putting up interest rates, um, yeah, those sorts of things. Um, yeah, but there's there's lots of things that are in your control that you've got to try and control. So yeah, that that's just one of the things we recommend people do. So if you can do that, that's um you're gonna be kicking with the wind. Yeah, easy. So obviously, like, I guess the the Cliff's Notes version of that is cut back on the things you you are choosing to spend money on that aren't necessities. Mm-hmm. And then once you've cut back on those things to the, to the best you can, 
look to cutting back by saving money on things you have to pay for, like your utility yeah. bill, things like that. Obviously, like if we have more uh, issues coming through with like the lack, the the level of builds and construction coming in, that's going to affect the rental crisis, and it might also affect things like rent prices and that nature. So. New home yeah. construction lending in February of 2023 fell to a record low. It's the lowest uh, level since 2002. New loans are uh, new loans for owner occupiers to build a home. So people getting a construction loan to build a house to live in fell 4.8 percent in February. So 2,732 people tried to get finance for uh, building a house to live in. Um, New build loans have been dropping since January 2021, which is when yeah. the home builder program sort of kicked out of gear. So um, we're also seeing a lot of building companies go bust. We obviously talked uh -huh. about Porter Davis Group last week and a few others like Lloyd Holmes has gone under as well last week. So it's a sign of things to come. But people from the Housing Institute of Australia spoke about uh, government removing some of the blockages in the housing sector to improve supply of new homes. So Dave, I wondered, yeah. do you reckon you could explain to people how the building sector is impacted by uh, zoning restrictions or some of uh -huh. the other roadblocks that the government might have in, in place that sort of stops things getting done as quickly as we need them to? Yeah. And look, you know, on the, on the radio this morning, you know, the ABC um, harping on about you know lack of supply and rental crisis. Well, we've been talking about this for about a year now, I think. Um, and you know, our recommendation to people was that if they were renting and were looking to be probably renting into the foreseeable future, that it might have been in people's best interest to lock in a longer term lease. So hopefully, you know, if that's if that's applied to people, they've done that because you know it's not getting it's not getting any better. Um, it's almost like we've got we've got three levels of government and they sort of don't they sort of act because they're responsible for different things they sort of don't act in a collegial collegiate fashion they don't sort of seem to be much coordination um so you know um, local governments basically um, look after like approvals um, state governments are trying to open up land um, and the, while they're doing that which is trying to increase supply, um, the federal governments, yeah, we, we've got massive numbers of people coming in the country to fill jobs that either people can't or won't do here. So it just seems to be it's just all over the place. So, you know, the, the issue you have is that, we, you know, and we talked about this before, during COVID, um, a lot of building activity was brought forward due to home builder grants and, you know, builders locked in fixed price contracts. So, you know, they'd say, they said to Mr and Mrs Smith, um, you know, we're going to build your house for 300 grand and it's a fixed price contract and the bank did a valuation on that and said, yep, we'll lend the money. A year or two down the track now the house is being built, the cost of um, materials has gone up and labour has gone up. So that 300 grand house is now going to cost 340 or 350 and you've got some builders who've got 1,000, 1,500 or 2,000 of those contracts. So, you know, if the builder's got to wear a 50k loss on a thousand properties, um, they just they just can't do it. So they just say, "Look, we're folding up." So there's going to be a lot more heartache coming because of this. Um, one of the ones I was going to talk about was um, a mob called BGC, who are allegedly 
um, Australia's fourth largest home builder, they're not taking on any new, any any more work now. They're basically shut up shop, mm. and they're all they're going to do now is just build the stuff that they've got and hopefully get through that. So I think there's going to be a lot more. Um, there's going to be a lot more builders that are impacted. And one of our mates who's a builder who builds around Goulburn and Tamworth um, and Dubbo, he said to us probably six months ago, he said there's going to be a lot of building companies that will struggle and a lot of people are going to get hurt. So there just doesn't seem to be any real um, action on you know, the government. You know, we've got a housing minister and I would have thought, you know, they'd be getting right amongst it to come up with some sort of solution between the builders and the banks and, you know, because a lot of the people who've agreed to buy these houses, they would have borrowing capacity to pay the extra money. The places have probably gone up in value so they could be revalued and they could get the extra money and the builder could stay in business. And yeah. I would have thought that was pretty logical, but, you know, no one seems to be doing anything. They're just sort of sitting back and going, oh, yeah, it's not my fault. So um, anyway, look, it's, it's, it's probably going to get, but, you know, as Tim Reardon from the HIA said, yeah, we've got to get government's got to remove the blockages. Like we talked about a client of ours who was just getting a basic granny flat built on the back of their house in um one suburb of Newcastle and it took like 14 weeks to get approved. So yeah. um yeah, it's just madness. And you know, you've got um some stories of areas in Sydney where the residents are basically um so infiltrated with council and um you know, what happens in the local community that if someone wants to, you know, redevelop and, you know, they want to knock down a um, thousand square metre house block, sorry, house on a block and put up three or four duplexes, which will improve supply, um, that, you know, it's just getting bogged down in council and they're not getting approved. So, yeah, there's a lot of It affects the property prices of people around that area and they're not in my backyard thing. Exactly, the NIMBY. So, anyway, that's, um, that's interesting. Um, last one from me to sort of explain some of the price rise stuff during the pandemic, um, the national dwelling value, which is sort of an aggregate of, you know, an average of all the prices across the country, all the markets in Australia, housing wise, the national dwelling value for Australia for houses rose 28.6% between September 2020 and April 2022. Since then, the price, that aggregate has dropped 15% from where it was in in in, uh, in April of 2022. But part of that was this market correction that took place since uh, the RBA started raising rates. And a few yeah. property analysts we talked to say that there's not been the the actual peak of a lot of price rising in the country was before the rate started to kick in. So take that with a grain of salt. We're expecting to see a huge boom in Australian migra- uh, immigration, people coming to live here to become residents, which no yeah. doubt will probably affect the housing market again. It might affect the rental market worse than it already is. So oh. if you're renting and you're in a position to try and buy a house, you might be good to you might be better off doing that if you want to avoid stressful renting situations or housing insecurity but it doesn't seem like it's going to get any better but i guess what i wanted dad uh, dave to explain before we moved on how the price rises are affected by cash rate rises and whether mm. uh how does the rates going up and down affect the amount of people that want to buy houses it's one of those things like john linderman who's one of them yeah property gurus around the country talks about cause and effect and correlations 
and um, <clears throat> and he talks about how um, there's a correlation between the amount of ice cream that is consumed in Australia and drownings. And you could say that um, the you know, the more ice cream people eat, uh, the more people drown. Now, the reason more people eat ice cream is because it's hot. And the reason more people drown is because it's hot and they go swimming. So more people go swimming, so more people drown. So with, with interest rates, interest rates are one of the things that impact um, demand for housing. So when when property when when um, people can borrow more money because interest rates are low, um, that's one of the factors that then encourages people to buy property. So um, yeah, there is a correlation between interest rates and house prices. Now, just because interest rates go up or down doesn't particularly mean house prices or unit prices will go up and down because it's all due to supply and demand. And demand's driven by a lot of things. At the moment, as you said, Damo, supply is a real issue. There's not enough supply. Um, during the pandemic, we had the average person in a the average number of people in a household dropped. And I think there were some figures from CoreLogic that said it was around about, you know, it used to be like 3.2 people in a house and now it went down to 2.6. And those, you know, cause, you know, you had people who were living together um, and might have had a share house, three or four people, couldn't go to work, could work from home, so people would need an office, so people would move out. So you might have had three or four people living in a house, um, one or two move out. Um, that would soak up another um, property, which would reduce the amount of properties available for everyone else. So there's there's a lot of factors in it. Um, you can't the economists basically you know keep trotting out the the logic that you know rates are going up, so prices are going to go down. And there is there as we said, there is a correlation, but there's just a lot more to it than that. So um, yeah, at the moment, if you're renting, um, it's only going to get worse. Um, yeah. rents are only going to keep going up because there's lack of supply and no one seems to be doing anything about it. You know, the, the government's proposal of you know, building all these, you know, a million houses was basically setting up a fund and hoping everyone else would do it. Um, the government, I saw some figures from Propertyology over the last, say, 10 years, um, you know, the government have not committed money to... Um, social housing so you've it's forced a lot of people who would have been in social housing you know funded by the government or supported by the government they're now in the private rental market you know we've got all these new um new arrivals coming into the country they're going to need somewhere to rent so um you know what's going to happen to house prices i think you know we're, we've been pretty vocal about this i think they'll just keep going up because um as rents go up that will in, that will improve yields which will encourage investors. Um, as rents go up, there'll be people that are doing their sums going, why are we renting? We should be buying something. So that will just increase demand for owner-occupiers owner and first-home buyers. And in, in New South Wales, the stamp duty exemption limit um, is going to be raised since you know Labor got into, into power. They haven't given us a date of when that's going to be. So that will just encourage more people. So, mm. you know, the best time to buy is when you can afford it. And if you can afford it, um, yeah, rip in, I reckon. But um, if you can't and you're renting and you're going to be renting for a long time, I would be talking to the agent about locking in a long-term lease 
um, two, three years or however, however long you think you're going to be renting for um, at a yeah, maybe a slightly higher rent than you're paying now because um, you, know, you don't want to be in six months' time get hit with you know a 10 or 15% rent increase. There's a couple you wanted to cover before we got out of here. The first one, the OPEC thing's pretty interesting. Yeah, so yeah, I saw this in the Fin Review last week and it was about um, oil prices and it was basically the... Um, I think so. OPEC is, I think it's called the Organisation of Petroleum Exporting Countries. What they um, what they did is got together and decided that they would reduce supply of oil. Now, if you reduce the supply of oil, that's going to put up prices of of fuel. You know, oil for heating, um, fuel for you know people to drive their cars and you know trucks for um transporting goods around. So if those prices go up, it was just they were just talking about how it could um, impact inflation because fuel prices will go up. So um, at the moment, um, that sort of leads into the second one I had, which was around the um, RBA leaving rates on hold um, when they when they met on um, uh, last week um, in, in Australia, first Tuesday of the yeah. month, which was the 4th. And their next meeting is the 2nd of May. And, yeah, because the RBA you know, left rates on hold, a few people going, oh, you know, ding dong, the witch is dead, you know, inflation's gone, happy days, let's go, go, go. But the RBA governor was very solid, basically saying they just wanted to have a pause to see how it was, in, how the interest rates were impacting um, yeah, they raise rates ten times. There's a lag effect and all that sort of stuff. And we've got you know a cash rate of three point six percent, which is a bit lower than other places. One of the interesting things about the Australian housing market is the majority of people are on variable rates. So when the RBA puts up interest rates, there's a there's an impact on a lot of people in the US and some of the other countries. A lot of people are on fixed rates. Like some of the fixed rate mortgages in the US are fixed for 30 years. So mm. when interest rates go up, there's no real impact on homeowners or investors. So it does, yeah, it does I think with the American side of things though, it does mean somebody like I don't know the exact interest rate setup they have over there right now, but say you got in, you locked in a mortgage at three percent for 30 years, but now the Fed is raising rates and now the the interest rate on a mortgage for a fixed 30 years 8% that's going to price a lot of people out from borrowing the money so it does yeah. stop a lot of people getting into the market uh yes. in a different way you know to what we're used to but yeah no for sure for sure so um so yeah so the, the thing is yeah it'd be interesting to see how it plays out there's some inflation figures i think coming out on um about April twenty six from memory, which yeah. are like the um the March quarter inflation figure. So you know, if it's trending down, the RBA might be tempted to leave rates on hold again for a month or two. A few of the a few of the big banks are still suggesting there might be one or two more rate rises in twenty twenty three. But quite a few of them are thinking from February next year, twenty twenty four, that rates will start dropping. Because you know, once inflation gets down closer to the two to three percent band that the RBA's interest you know wants to get to, you know, once once it's getting down to that level, there's no need for it to be as high as you know rates for it to be as high. We talked about the one about the supply crunch, which is yeah, no, we've been talking about that for ages. But um, there were some figures that um, <clears throat> uh, Dr. Andrew Wilson 
from my housing market put out just about capital city rents and and that sort of stuff. And um, yeah, there's yeah, rent rents have gone up nearly sixteen percent in Sydney, over sixteen percent in Melbourne, and over twenty percent in Brisbane. If <clears throat> as we've said ad nauseum, if you're renting and you're going to be renting for a while, you might want to try and lock something in. Yeah. And um, yeah. And it also, I'm not saying this is fair, but this like current moment in time where landlords have a lot more power than renters, you can't stress enough trying to be a good tenant. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, and being a good landlord. See, I don't agree with that because landlords don't really have to yeah. at this point because someone else will rent the joint. Like I just mean I had a pretty good relationship with my landlords when I lived in Melbourne and was yeah. pretty realistic and like easy to to negotiate to them about like uh getting repairs done and giving them time to do it like i wasn't a shit tenant that caused a lot of stress for them and they yeah. they gave that back to me in kind you know like before yeah. i i terminated my lease there to move out here they didn't offer to raise my rents if i repeated my lease they said they'd keep yeah. it where it was cuz i'd been a good tenant like yeah. Not everybody's yeah. going to do that, I'm sure. But like, if you're a good tenant in this in this environment, hopefully that'll pay dividends by at least hopefully keeping your rental. And I'm not saying oh. that's fair that that's the environment we're in, but it it just sort of is yeah. what it is at this point. Yeah. Just on on that thing of a thing that came out um, in the news yesterday was, and this is applying really if you're a landlord, um, the ATO is going to be. Uh, looking closely at um, landlords and their deductions and those sorts of things and doing a lot of data matching and and that sort of stuff. So, you know, just make sure if you're, um, you, know, you know, what you're claiming is valid and all that sort of stuff and it's probably worthwhile if you do have a rental property getting an accountant. So um, that sort of works out. But, yeah, I, what I was thinking of in, in regards to um, in regards to being a landlord if you look if you look at being a landlord as um you know you you own a property and that's your business and the tenant's your customer it's like any other business if you look after your customers they're going to be loyal and you know if you if you're a good landlord you're quite likely that you know, the other tenants well all things being equal they will um you know help you know help look after the property a bit better so yeah anyway yeah, yeah that's right well, if people want to get in touch with us, there's a few ways to do it. Moneysaverhomeloans.com.au, Moneysaverhomeloans on Facebook. Just give that a search if you're interested in buying a house to live in, buying a house to rent out as a rental property, as an investment. There's plenty yeah. of ways you can get in touch with us. So mm -hmm. anything else you want to say, David? No, that's good. Easy. All right. Have a good week, people.